0: That's blue Nile.com.
2: Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour podcast. Three women, one podcast, and a whole load of badass with me, Harriet Minter, Emma Sexton, and Melanie Usabi. This week, we speak to author and talent manager, Melanie Blake, about her career in entertainment and her new book, The Thunder Girls.
1: Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators, but no one compares.
2: Badass Women's Hour excel with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. One, two,
1: three, four!
2: Now, if you recognise that theme tune, it's because it's where our next guest started her career way back in the day's Top of the Pops, uh, legendary talent agent and now author, Melanie Blake. Hello, welcome to Badass Women's Hour. I'm so glad to be here.
3: I listen to you girls all the time and I'm absolutely delighted to be in the studio. Oh, we
2: are so excited to have you. Thank you so much for coming in. Now, I'm going to kick off talking about your book because I had a little flick through at the beginning. I'm so excited to read it. I can't wait. It's called The Thunder Girls. It's a bestseller and it is the story of essentially a girl group coming back Which feels a bit appropriate at the moment, because there's a lot of them. The thing is about
3: Thundergirls, it's actually a tale of friendship. They just happen to have once been the world's biggest girl group. Now, 30 years ago, at the height of their fame, as is often the way, the lead singer, who didn't have the best voice, Mm -hmm. decided she wanted to take it all for herself. And she didn't just take herself away from the band she took the management she took the label she took the contracts and effectively ended the other three girls careers so she really is evil personified or is she you'll have to find out <laughs> but to start with so we don't see her for 30 years and for 30 years she's had an incredible career and now she's kind of relegated to pressing a buzzer on a chat show and yeah a, a, sorry on a big talent show she's not what she was but she's up there she's been ripped off by a toy boy husband of which i've seen a lot in celebrity client land uh, and is forced to attempt to reunite the thunder girls to headline an all male lineup at wembley stadium for enough money to save her house and a reputation and so she has to seek them out and eat humble pie and it is full of glass grit and all sorts of stuff it's it's an epic tale it's over 30 years it's kind of like a lace type for Which for was just one ago. of my
2: favourite books oh growing
3: up. I, I mean, they just don't exist anymore. There's no. such a snobbery of this genre. So this book originally, this book originally, I wrote the first draft in '99 when I was at top of the pops. Wow. I was broke. I was living in a bed set. I was skint, and I had a fantastic um, uh, publisher offer me a fantastic deal on the condition that I would change the women's ages. They're in their 40s and 50s. And I said, but that doesn't make sense. These are women, they're not girls. They've had to yeah. have divorce, death, life, marriage, everything that could go wrong in their lives in order to be able to feel that pain. And they said, yeah, nobody's was really interested in middle-aged, uh, lower-class working women. So take it or leave it. And I didn't take it. I then went on to become a very famous talent manager Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, that sort of kept me busy for like 15 years. And then three years ago, I started writing. I became a columnist um, for a national uh, newspaper. And then um, Thundergirl sort of... Kicked its way out of the cupboard about two years ago, and it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride <laughs> Did you right just right kind
2: of d- dig it up? Were you just like, I've written this book, and it's sitting, it's sitting there, kind of, you know, on on the draft somewhere? And did you, did you, did you kind of have to refresh it, or is it in or the to- story no, you no, mentioned? I had to
3: completely rewrite it because there was no trolling, there was no digital media, mm. there was no. Um, there was there was the world that we're in just didn't exist then the women are the same the story is the same but the manipulation of this com- yeah. is completely different
2: and yeah. obviously in this time as well you have just been in depth in the industry so seen you've seen it all yeah. <laughs> how much of that has then made it into the book
3: the irony is i wrote it before i saw it yeah and then i lived it and found out that it was true
2: So it was a piece of fiction, but now it's a piece of faction. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think, because you, I think you've said somewhere, you know, that one of your role models is Jackie Collins. And when I read her books, I'm always like, this is, this is extreme. It can't possibly, but she says it is, right? absolutely So
3: So with this book, at one point, the publisher Said to me, um, listen, we need to talk about some of these chapters because, like, you know, we know it's fiction and people want to skip some, but this just isn't possible. And I had to sit them down and go, Let me tell you about this, and let me tell you about this, and let me tell you about this. And they were like, Okay, send it to print. So, <laughs> like, it is absolutely, I mean, you will have, we've got cameras on us in here now, but you will have seen stuff yourselves. Yes. like, you know, it is everything. Like, you know, some celebrities are monsters. And some are not. And in Thundergirls, we have a mixture. <laughs> oh. I cannot wait. I can't, I know.
2: It's, I'm so excited to read it. I was going to be reading read. it
3: in the cab home. Yeah. You'll read it in two days. Literally, everybody that's read it, even people with busy schedules, mums that are up late with kids, and literally people, once you start, you, you can't get through it because it's such a weird sort of um, element of past and present together. You just kind of want to know who they are now versus who they were. And then also, you don't realise it, but the men in the book have really sort of been playing quite a a large in manipulating their strings, And I found that massively myself across the board in my entire career uh, that that goes on generally.
2: So when you say that, we talk about the media industry and I think we all sort of know that the media industry is male-dominated, yeah. but we see these incredibly powerful female celebs and we go, yeah. well, you know, they're making lots of money and yeah, they appear to have pe- This is it, right? Mm-hmm. So how much of that power is real and how much of it is just perceived?
3: Well i would say it is a very um strange dynamic still to this day in the business i mean this is fantastic this here we are right now badass women and you all of which are um but you know you guys are quite rare doing this and Mm -hmm. that shouldn't be the case you know we have loose women there is just one show that should not be the case it is still totally unbalanced but most importantly i find the biggest discrimination which is not just based on gender is working class there is literally such a huge situation still the class ceiling is ginormous now this play sorry this book is now a play which has been adapted already which i did now 14 promoters again 20 years later best-selling book 16 countries number one said mm, bunch of middle-aged women working class don't think so so we took it to the Lowry, which is an incredibly prestigious venue in, Man- in Manchester. It's actually Salford, but people think of it yeah. as a bigger area. It's sold out. It How has its it? world premiere preview in September. You cannot get a ticket to get in there. It literally is, I saw the set the other day, it's unbelievable. Again, we've proved everybody wrong. There is such a stigmatism on not only gender, ageism, but classism. That Women have three times the battle to get anything over the line it's just it's a disgrace really when i did the nolan's reunion in 2009 which was 10 years ago this book is not based on them at all in any way shape or form (laughs) they're nothing like this because they actually are related so they have to speak to each other again (laughs) as these people don't um uh 12 male promoters I went to them and went, I really think there's an audience to do this reunion for, for the Nolans. Colleen Nolans is very popular. Yeah. You don't have to be cool to be popular. A lot of people in the country really like her. And I think they want to see them again. You know, you go to any disco, people are going to be dancing to that song. They, again, they laughed at me and went, Pff, nobody wants to do this. Hello, two million at the box office in 24 hours. Really? Broke all records. We beat Take That and Cliff Richard was huge at the time with a, a show called The Time Machine. And we won the marketing award of the year and they were on the news at 10. Wow. And the arenas were full. There's just this huge... Um, stigma yeah there's
2: this assumption isn't there but time and time again you put something out there and clearly there there is the audience and there is the appetite so why do you think it's still such a battle
3: well i can tell you now that that battle has not changed this book the fund girls that you definitely want to read by the way (laughs) um is with a ginormous publisher and yet it is not in half of what you would consider the legitimate bookstores it's in the supermarkets which is great for me because i connect with absolutely the mainstream audience but the point is the snobbery is there that despite having more pre-sales than other ones and it was number one before it even came out um People looked at it and went, mm, "Not really sure." Working class. Hello, soap operas. Hello, like national newspapers. Hello, radio that's being listened to that, like, by people who have jobs and actually work for a living and are actually working class. That is the whole point. We're out there. Sixty percent of the of um, of Britain is women, and they're over a certain age. I did a big interview last week with the bookseller, which obviously is a serious trade mag, and even they said that there is a snobbery inherent that, like, the Jackie Collins genre almost has died with her, which is tragic because women want escapism. And certainly in these political times, God knows we need a break from Brexit. And (laughs) this is the sort of thing that you would do when I grew up, and I'm from a very underprivileged, difficult background. I took solace and escapism in reading Shirley Conran, Jackie Collins, Judith Kranz. Jilly Cooper. Jilly Co- Well, Jilly Cooper was a bit later and let me tell you that gave me ideas. Um, uh, some of which were realised. Um, and, uh, you know, we wanted to, like, I've had a, a crappy childhood and a rough time and lived on food banks and struggled i don't want to read about that yeah. i want to read about glamour and gorgeousness and backstabbing escapism. And, and escapism oh and revenge i think in the thunder <laughs> girls revenge is a very big theme mm-hmm. and we've all got something in our wardrobe that we would love to bring out and stick it to whoever it is that has done <laughs> something to us and in this book they do do it. When you get to it, the, the play is set on one section, which is the reunion dinner from yeah. now. But when you get about halfway through, you'll reach a reunion dinner that just will blow your mind.
2: Cannot <laughs> wait. We're going to keep talking to Melanie because I want to know all about your background and how the bu- you built your own business. Quite frankly, it's a story as good as a novel. Uh, so we're going to keep, Melanie, and keep talking to her here on Badass Women's Hour XL.
1: spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine with the weather warming up it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a pilates class or outdoor guided walk peloton has everything you need to help you get going get a head start on summer with peloton at onepeloton.com badass women's
2: hour xl on talk radio
1: she'll get you talking
2: Welcome back to Badass Women's Hour XL. we were talking to the amazing Melanie Blake, author of The Thunder Girls and talent agent extraordinaire. Uh, Melanie, before the break, we were talking about this kind of, you said the snobbery around working class people and particularly working class women throughout, well, particularly the publishing industry, but I think in all industries. Tell us a little bit about your background. So I come
3: from uh, an incredibly... um Difficult background because my Mm -hmm. dad found uh, religion and sort of affected our entire life. So when I was six years old, my dad joined a a very extreme version of a born-again Christian cult. But it wasn't really a a standard version. It was a version that was sort of like followed the Bible to the letter, which just did not make sense. And anything that was not in the Bible was considered a false idol, ironically, including... Top of the
2: Pops.
3: (laughs) So I was banned from watching Top of the Pops because it was the devil's work. And I was six, seven, eight, nine. And I was like, okay, I'm young, but I know this is wrong. Like, Mm. this just does not seem right to me. So I fought it all the way, but it was horrendous. We literally went from kind of normal coronation street i'm northern and uh a sort of coronation street sort of like life got all kind of nice and and just like average you know we didn't have much but it was fine to nothing like he gave all of our stuff away uh, you know the wow. church got everything we we literally lived on food banks which i didn't actually know until food banks became quite popular about uh not popular but popular in the news about yeah. four or five years ago and i was like so that's why we had jelly beans and tinned peaches i could never understand this yeah. weird shopping list that we used to have and then i realized it was donated food but we had to go to charity shops and like we literally had nothing but worse than that like this sort of rule television was banned and all these things were banned and my dad specifically had this strange um attitude towards women where he would say to me all women over 30 are finished oh wow yeah he really did do that and I said I don't agree with you I think all women over 30 are still girls yeah. and actually they probably only become women when they hit their 40s and 50s and even then they're still warming up I just knew it was the 80s and 90s there were strong women all over if it hadn't have been for that yeah. I wouldn't have had those examples to look around my mum was broken by it and she was uh, a cleaner and she used to take me with her on her rounds uh, and in order to keep me quiet she's gonna let me get books from the library and that is how I discovered Jackie Collins because Snook out rock star and read it. And as I watched my mum scrub the floors on her knees, I read this book about women that all had terrible lives, didn't marry wealth, didn't manipulate it, and actually just just climbed their way to the top. And something in me sort of snapped and went, This is not for me. I won't have this. Not that that was a judgment on her cleaning, it was nothing to do with that. It was the fact that she was doing something she didn't want to do because she had to do it. And I think going to those houses, I mean, our house was terrible. It was very run down and broken. Once it broke, that was it. You didn't get it back. Um, kind of rubbed it in even worse to me. I had to go to these posh people's houses and see what we didn't have. But the plus point was I put their clothes on, wore their makeup and put their, their jewelry on and just lay on the bed and my mum clean. So I was like getting this little parallel taste of what I would go on to earn. Um, but I never thought that um, I would um, escape, I don't think, and until I reached 16 when I... Um, I I couldn't take it anymore. It was so bad that I actually made myself homeless. And uh, I was housed by um, Salford Council, who were unbelievable. I mean, we are going back, I think, 24 years now. Um, And they actually gave me a flat the same day I went to the council. It was quite unbelievable. And I moved into a council flat. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm free, I'm free. And then within about three months, I was like, no, I'm not free. I've started a new trap I have to just follow my yeah. dreams. I want to work in entertainment. I don't know what, how, but Manchester, where I'm from, was not the media city of the world that it is now. And I just thought, no, I've got to get out of here. So I gave the teas te- 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 back, which were like, which was a big deal because I was making myself homeless again. And I got a one-way ticket to London alone and I knew no one and I arrived on my 17th birthday. That's- it, uh, did you have
2: anywhere to stay? Did you have a no, job? No, you nothing.
3: just I literally I opened it, but it was does loot still exist? It used to yep. exist. Yeah, okay, yeah. right. I remember loot. Well, and it had rooms and I literally found a room. It was 50 quid a week. It was in Streatham. And I went and got into this room and then I set about trying to break into entertainment. I mean, so we're now in about 96, mm. and where I had this vision that I could do this from, I've no idea. But I wrote letters to everyone. I'd like, obviously, they must have been so embarrassing. It must be like, I'd love to be in TV. Like, I get them (laughs) myself now, but I always (laughs) reply. And uh, all I got, the only work I got was handing out flyers uh, at leaflets, uh, at exhibitions, and so on and so forth. And this one day, I was at Euston Station and I was handing out flyers. And I'd been in London like two years and I was like, oh God, this is really not working out, but okay. And, um, this woman walked past me and I was sampling drinks. It was like a, a, a red drink and she knocked it out of my hand and went, get a real job. Oh. And I was covered in it and I walked back to where we got changed at Euston and I thought, "I said I'm done. I give up, I'll go home, I'll take the keys to the council flat, I'll be grateful. I gave it a go. I got here, it didn't yeah. work. Phone rang. The agency that had sent me for the flyer said, Have you ever been a camera assistant? I went, Yes. <laughs> I had no idea what one was. They said, Do you know where L3 Studios is? And I went, Yes. And they went, Can you be there tomorrow? And I said, Yes. And I literally the next day turned up, no idea what I was doing, and was walked through security at L3 Studios, saw the EastEnders thought set, thought, Wow, this is serious, and was told, This is where you're working. Looked up, and it was the Top of the Pop Studios.
0: No way. Total wow. way.
3: It happened just wow. like that. And between that door and that corridor, my life was about to change as soon as it opened.
2: But then how do you go from being a camera assistant to, like, a top class I mean celebrity
3: agent by not being a camera assistant I literally <laughs> was the worst camera assistant in history within five minutes the guy looked at me and went you have no idea what you're doing do you and I was like absolutely not and he went just stand over there so in the studio was Kylie Minogue Spice Girls I think Aerosmith, uh, Aerosmith were there not Elizabeth, (laughs) Uh, and uh, I um, thought, they're going to fire me. I am so not coming back. I've got nothing to lose. So I watched the rehearsal period, and it was so weird, because in those days, I used to rehearse in the afternoon... And there was nobody there. The managers weren't on the floor. Um, It was just the stars. And I mean, world famous Mariah, Madonna, all the biggies were in the studio in the afternoon. And I was watching Kylie Minogue rehearse and I noticed that there was a blue light on her in the chorus that made her look really weird. And as she came off stage, I went, do you know that in the chorus the lights make your hair look blue? And she went, no. I went, you might want to check it back. And she was like, thanks very much for that. And she looked kind of annoyed that no one had told her. And I realised right then and there that nobody told pop stars the truth Ooh. so I thought I've got six hours I'm going to tell them everything <laughs> I can oh my so I went to Westlife and they were all sat on, on chairs and they're known for a key change right Yeah. where they stand, stand up, up. Yeah. Well, they had silk shirts, seats and wind machines these three elements do not go together <laughs> so again no one was helping so I went over and went listen turn that monitor around and you tell me if you think that wind machine's a good idea <laughs> when machine was off by the end of the day I had basically done all of that and the rest and then I was getting myself ready to go and I thought brilliant I've, I've done it all uh, I've had my day I'm off and they went see you next week and that began a four year reign so, so
2: was so, your well, job then to basically critique pop stars no
3: I actually had no job that I was still allowed to come to work we and just still got up. paid. Like, I had no job for four years. I literally was, like, I don't know, was I, like, a sort of fluffer <laughs> to, the, to the stars? But, like, I would hang out with J-Lo. J-Lo, who was the loveliest person ever, but had, like, 50 entourage. Mariah Carey's people who came in and said, right, so you need to clap Mariah. And we were like, yeah, yeah, after the song. And they were like, no, as soon as you see her. <laughs> And we were like, no, that's not going to happen. I say, we, I wasn't. The exact producer was doing that sort of stuff. But, like, I saw it all. And, uh, and what happened was Claire Richards from Steps was the lead singer. So she was really interested in the other people's performances. So she would come into the rehearsals and she would watch the other singers. And we would sit together. And she said to me, do you know, you've got a brilliant eye for what's going on and a great ear, and I would predict that's a flop that's a hit, that isn't whatever. And I was literally right every time. She said, if I ever went solo, I'd hire you. I went, please. She <laughs> said, hire oh, me. I don't even know what I'm doing here. I don't have a real job. And, like, and she was like, no, you've got the instinct and, and you can't buy that. She went, if I ever go solo, I'll call you. Anyway... Skip forward, she leaves steps. I finally get fired from Top of the Pops (laughs) and it gets taken over by someone who realises that I don't actually do a job. And I'm in my bed sitting in Kentish Town. I'm £50,000 in debt. I'm about 22 at this age. This is back in the days of PPI where they used to love giving you loans. I had five loans, four credit cards. And again, I'm like, do you know what? It's not working. I'm not breaking through. Nothing's happened. And I was just about to ring the bankruptcy courts to see whether I could go bankrupt. And then I didn't know what I was going to do. And the phone rang and it was Claire Richards. And she said, I'm ready. And I was like, right. And she went, here's my address. I'm sending a car for you. And literally I went to her house and she signed me as a manager that night. No. And I literally became a sub agent overnight.
2: So she was your very first client. She was
3: my first client. But it wasn't overnight. You had yeah. been doing it for four years with no job title. Doing the thing, learning the craft. Yeah, well, I got the title then overnight. So I got like, you know, I got that title, but I had no idea. So I literally went to the corner shop, got all the magazines. This is not even a joke. And opened them and looked at all the editors' names and numbers and just rang them all up. And within a year, we were the number one boutique agency in the UK that is I think about 16 years ago and this is a really vile amount of money that I'm going to mention Mm. but I only know it because it's the client's money it's not my money so it's what we've turned over for them I did a big interview with the Financial Times and they go through all your accounts and we turned over 30 million pounds and I've got a G in maths (laughs) and I was told that I would never get any further than the local corner shop
2: what do you think has made you such a successful agent
3: uh being honest yeah um, caring wanting to uh, give the best to them, supporting the underdog. Nearly all of our clients at a time were considered to be past their best. They were not past their best. They were just not right in that storm. Uh, I coined a phrase really early that's been used a lot and was recently used on the Bross documentary, which was after the screaming stops. The tills still ring, babe. you just (laughs) got to work out how to key them in and work it out. We had some of the most successful years with people who were no longer making records because, you know, fashion... Uh, books, um, uh, uh, you know, radio, television, cookery. You know, I did 10 best-selling autobiography deals. We did ranges. We did a fashion range with Colleen Nolan, one piece alone, which sold a million jackets one Christmas, all of which everybody told me wouldn't work. And I just used my common sense. Well, Which is give the common, people what they want. I mean, it's common, not so common. Not it's so right common. not, right not now, so common. Yeah. Yeah. Not no, so but common, common sense. Common sense. When well, I moved into that mm. house in, in the 90s. I literally, I walked into the kitchen. They were all Chelsea girls and they were all stood around a toaster that wasn't working and, and going, oh my God, I just don't understand it. And I was like, has anybody <laughs> checked the plug? And they were like, uh, no. And I was like, well, maybe it's a fuse. They were like, fuse. So I like <laughs> twisted it and they were like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I was like, it's just a fuse. We can still use it, guys just common sense like literally take someone to where you know they're going to be popular yeah. you know market them to to their audience which is like thunder girls you know i didn't want it to be a highbrow high read i wanted it to be a fun read an escapist read it's you know it's not going to win the book prize yeah. i want it to be on every seat in every lounge and on every train the well, way that you tell even the story of your life <laughs> makes me want to read the I book even wait. more yes, because if wait. you saw us all but, now we, oh, we're just staring right. at melanie because oh. she's she, you are a beautiful storyteller oh. so i cannot wait we're literally on the edges of our seats. Oh, We're like, I don't know what happened then. And I'm literally, because I have no idea how long we've got, I'm
2: literally skimming. <laughs> but there is, like, literally, oh, I'm my. skimming.
3: There's so much that has gone what on. What has on been a seen. highlight for you? It has to be that 2009 Nolan's tour, seeing yeah. the arenas. And it was also the lowest point for me as well at the same time because my mum was there. Uh, I don't know if anyone follows me on Twitter, Melly Black UK. I'm very active on Twitter and terrible on Insta. Um, and... <laughs> And I posted a photograph of us together from that night and little did we know that she had uh, ovarian cancer advanced and Bernie Nolan, the lead singer, had advanced breast cancer. And the Um, night that was the highest high, actually two really incredible women that stood right next to me were both dying and didn't know it and within two years would both be dead, both in their early 50s. And that was a real game-changer for me.
2: Girl. You are amazing. If you had one piece of advice that you could give to kind of those girls like you who and I see them all the time they've come to London they've got an idea and it's an expensive city and they're hustling like crazy to make it work what would you tell them
3: never accept no from anybody because you are right and you just keep going until it works and you don't take any of the easy routes. You know, I didn't want to hand out flyers. I didn't want to be humiliated of someone knocking a drink over me. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to stand there soaking wet in front of everyone. You know, but I did it. It's like, don't judge, you know, accept that there are every rung of every ladder. You've got to start um, somewhere. And, you know, the biggest piece of advice that I can offer if you want to work in, in celebrity land is find a celebrity that has lost their relevance and offer to work for them for free because agents that are not making money do not care and therefore you will find that there's someone that's maybe not so hot right now that if you've got the effort and the energy and you can run their online and you can do whatever people get digital jobs they end up doing really well i'm not going to name names because i don't want to reveal some people's pasts but i know some people that are really powerful now that started out as fans that contacted them, you'd be surprised. The phone stops ringing from most agents when the checks stop coming. Mm. That's not how we roll at Urban Associates. We're a family. You can come for a, a week yeah. or you can stay forever. And that's what we do with them. And we plan long term. But most agents don't care, literally. They'll literally just throw you out. So if you want to do that for a living, that is the way in, definitely. And someone, someone will say yes. If, it's, if you want to write and people are telling you no, self-publish.
2: Melanie, mm. i loved chatting to you thank Aww. you so much for coming I in melanie blake her. the thunder girls is out now i mean we're basically sacking off the rest of the show to go and read it <laughs> uh, uh melanie that. blake uk on twitter and instagram thank you so much for coming in One, two, three, four. this has been the badass women's hour podcast with me harriet minter natalie campbell and ms sexton If you want to hear more from us you can come follow us on social media at badass women's hour hr um or leave us a review and tell us how much you love us we really need to feel the love five stars should do it